This is Saturday, August 14th. Often when Sandy and I are on road trips, she will read aloud to me from a book that we are working through. And during our most recent drive, she read The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. If you're not familiar with this volume, it is C.S. Lewis's fictional account of heaven and hell. Now, I won't give you the plot, but only share a few insights gathered from this little volume. One of the most surprising depictions of hell is that Lewis says that the people in hell can leave any time they want to. Yes, they could board a bus, and they could soon be in heaven. But they can't do this because they're stuck. They're stuck in their attitudes. They're stuck in their arrogance and pride. Their ingrained patterns of life keep them stuck in hell. Now this week we've been looking at the story of Balak, king of Moab, and Balaam, the pagan prophet hired by him to curse Israel. Yesterday we found Balaam blessing Israel instead of cursing them. He could only speak what the Lord allowed. But true to form, this didn't hinder Balak. He didn't give up. So Balak took Balaam to another place. This was a mountain where they could actually look out and see Israel encamped. Maybe Balaam needed to be able to see the people he was going to curse. But nope, Balaam couldn't fulfill his contract. He couldn't curse Israel there either. Balak still didn't give up. He took him to another place, overlooking the deep desert. Because maybe looking at Israel, well, he, he wasn't going to be able to curse them. But that didn't work either. If at first you don't try, if you don't succeed, try, try again, right? Each time, Balaam could not curse Israel. And in the end, Balaam cursed Moab and the surrounding countries. Here's our text for today. Numbers 24, verse 15 to 19. Then he spoke his message. That's Balaam. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor. The prophecy of one whose eye sees clearly. The prophecy of one who hears the words of God. Who has knowledge from the Most High. Who sees a vision from the Almighty who falls prostrate, and whose eyes are opened. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls of all the people of Seth. Edom will be conquered. Seir, his enemy, will be conquered. But Israel will grow strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. Now Balaam even goes on in his next prophecy to call out other surrounding nations one by one, explaining that each with the exception of one will fall. Balaam, the man hired to curse Israel, blesses them and curses the other. Only one of the nations will make peace with Israel. But here's the thing, none of this changes the heart of Balak, and also the heart of Balaam. They do not see the power of the Lord and repent. They don't turn to the true and living God. 
In the end, they find another way to curse the people of God. Here's what they do. Together they concoct a plan to use Moabite women to entice the Jewish men to be unfaithful to the Lord. Hear the opening words of the next chapter of Numbers, Numbers 25. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women, who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. The people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before these gods. So Israel yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor. You see, Balak can't get Balaam to curse Israel, but together they can draw the Jewish men into sexual immorality and idol worship. They find a weak spot for Israel and they wreak havoc. Now, this doesn't remove the curse from Moab, but it brings pain and misery to Israel. Now, returning to the book, The Great Divorce, though it is a work of fiction, I, I think it is right. People cannot change their own hearts. Even presented with evidence of the truth, even before the face of the living God, they will keep living as they always have. You see, people could leave hell, as Lewis says in his fiction, but they won't. This means that we have our place with God not because we're smarter, we're stronger in will, or we're more faithful, or better people. We are who we are because of grace. It is nothing but grace, pure and simple. God has loved us and given us new hearts and is in the process of renewing our minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what we read in the New Testament. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by your works, so that no one can boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We have nothing to brag about. We didn't save ourselves. We would not be able to see the truth or come to God on our own. We would just keep on living the way we always have. But the good news is that God has come to us in Christ. And he saved us by his grace. This is a faith we don't work up or produce. It's not achieved, but it's received. And this is the place where we stand. The place that we rest every day, knowing that we're loved by God. And we have our identity in him. Let's pray. Almighty God, we don't know why you have chosen us. We, do, we know that we did not choose you. Only by your Spirit do we have life and peace and true freedom. So protect us from the pride of thinking that we're somehow better than others. And remind us each day that what we have is all gift. Help us to rest secure in your faithful love for us. Help us to take joy in being a people called by you. For we pray in your name. Amen.